Once again, I say good morning, church. We worship God because He is holy. We praise God for who He is and what He has done for us. And we thank God for His goodness. Bow your head with me in prayer, please. Father God, we come this morning because you demonstrated your love on the cross for us while we were yet sinners. And we come this morning without understanding, Lord, how much you love us. We come this morning without understanding that Jesus Christ's name is the sweetest name that we know. And Lord, we come this morning because we understand and realize that we are just sinners saved by the grace of God. And Lord, we are what we are because of what it is you have done in our lives. And we thank you this morning. And Lord, we come this morning realizing that as the manna came down from heaven, so did our Lord and Savior come down from heaven. And Lord, as he came down, he filled us with his glory. And we are just so grateful and so thankful this morning. And Lord, as he filled us, we know without a doubt, we hung in thirst no more. So Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful for this bread of life that you have given unto us to give us eternal life. And Lord, you do not ask us to give our lives, but Lord, you do ask us to faithfully serve you. And right now, Lord, we come presenting our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, asking you, Lord, to do whatever you choose to do with them for your glory, your honor, and your praise. In Jesus' name, all God people say amen. Uh, stand with me as I uh, read the Word of God, <clears throat> and I'm going to be reading from John chapter 6, and I'm going to read uh, verses 51 through 58, starting at verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, 
not like the bread the father ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. We praise God that he has spoken to us in his holy and errant word. May he write his eternal truth on our hearts and minds. You may be seated. Now going back to verse 51, Jesus is making a pronouncement. And Jesus is saying, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. And this tells us something about Jesus and his birth. In fact about it, the song we were singing a few minutes ago, ago heaven came down. As I was standing there, it really kind of done on me in regards to the title of uh, the message. And heaven did come down to us in the form of Jesus Christ, his incarnation. The child was born to us, was God himself that came out of heaven. And it also identifies Jesus as bread. Now, we know that Jesus is a human being and not literally a loaf of bread. But there is a sense in which bread depicts the reason he came. He came to this earth to be bread to the soul of people. Now, if you look back early in that chapter, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. So, normally Jesus would take something in the people's culture that they can relate to, and he would put alongside it something spiritually, leading them into an understanding. And that's exactly what he's doing in John chapter 6. He has taken bread and he wants to make a spiritual connotation in regards to it. So let me just make a few points in regards to natural bread. And we know that this concept of natural bread will be applicable to the spiritual realm. So first of all, eating is a necessary act. If you and I are going to derive anything from bread, we must eat it. We cannot admire it. We cannot just look at it. We cannot just touch it or handle it. But we must eat it if we are going to get any kind of nourishment from that bread. Now, that is equally true of what Jesus was trying to get the leader of Israel to see. You may admire Jesus, you may talk about Jesus, you can speculate about Jesus, you can theorize about Jesus, but if you do not eat Jesus Christ in the sense that you take him in, Jesus Christ does you no good. Secondly, about eating, eating is a response to a need. No matter how good bread looks or how good bread smells, if I am not hungry, bread has no attraction to me under any circumstances. Now think about it, when you are full, Nothing have any attraction to you for the simple reason you are not hungry 
and your body is not craving for anything to be filled. It's the same way spiritually. You see, when a sinner loves his sin, and when he is stuffed and full of the world, his flesh wants nothing else. He is filled. He is self-satisfied. And he is fed up. The food does not satisfy. Then you present the thought of the bread of life. And he has no interest as well. The sinner will push Jesus to the side. Because eating bread is a matter of a felt need. In design, Jesus is also a matter of a felt need. On the other hand, once a man feels spiritually hungry, once a man knows that all that he has been consuming of the world has left him hungry, then the hunger of reality and peace and joy and forgiveness and love and meaning and hope and security, then he will eagerly, when presented with the bread of life, move to eat it. Just as the natural realm were receiving the natural bread requires one receiving the natural bread demands eating, and eating demands a felt need, therefore receiving Jesus Christ is similar. The bread of life demands eating, and eating demands a felt need. The next thing about eating implies an act of appropriation. The food you eat must become part of you. The food you eat, you take in. Think of how a baby grows when they eat. They may be six or seven pounds when they're born, but as they eat and take food in, they grow. Because the food becomes part of them. And here we find just exactly what Jesus really has in mind here. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. You see, Christ may be presented to me in all his beauty, his glory, his majesty, his power, and his dominion, it's only when I take him in that he come to dwell with me. And then that appropriation becomes a part of me. Have you noticed that the natural bread you eat becomes you? And the more of it you eat, the more of you that it is. The spiritual realm holds true as well. When you take Christ in, Christ becomes part with your life. When he comes to you, he dwells in you. He becomes part of you. Now, in this analogy, it is that eating is personal. I am sure Dennis have never called home from lunch and said to his wife, I am so busy on a project, I just can't take a break. Would you eat something for me? Could you just grab a sandwich for me? I need the nourishment. I haven't got time to eat. No, you can't do that. You can't eat by proxy. Eating is a very individual thing. No one can do it for you. 
If you are to be nourished, you must eat. If anyone eats, he lives forever. Now, I made all those points about natural bread. What our Lord is saying, as you must eat to derive benefit, as eating come from a felt need, as eating mean appropriation, as eating is personal in that sense, you must eat me, the living bread. Now verse 51 going to say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eat of this bread, he will live forever. Eat and live forever. It's amazing how people can refuse such an offer. But again, if they are not hungry, if they are not satisfied with the food that perish, if they are self-satisfied in their sin and full of their own sin, Christ will be not attracted to them. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Jesus take another step in verse 51, and he go on to say, and the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now he is defining for us this bread. He said, I am the living bread, but now he says the living bread also encompasses his flesh. Now, just what does Jesus mean when he say that? Now, Jesus is looking forward to his death on the cross. It's so easy to think that these particular verses are setting the stage for communion. In reality, they are really not. Because Jesus is talking to the, the leaders, the religious leaders of the nation of Israel. And he's in a synagogue talking to them. So these particular verses are in regards to salvation. Because we know the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now look at verse 52 with me. And you notice what they could, the religious leaders are doing among themselves. It goes on to say, the Jews therefore begin to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You see, they are looking at Jesus from a physical point of view and not from a spiritual point of view. For the simple reason, they already understand natural bread because this is an analogy, or you might want to call it a parable. But analogy might be just sufficient. And the Jews knew the Old Testament, and they knew, of course, that drinking blood was illegal. And also self Immutilation was also illegal. So those leaders know, knew what Jesus was talking about. But you know, the point is, is this. Jesus' teaching is not hard to understand, but Jesus' teacher is hard to accept. And that was going on with those leaders. They did not want to accept Jesus as their Messiah. This is what their problem was. It wasn't a difficult of the scripture because they had studied the scripture and they knew the scripture. Now notice in verse 53 and 54. Now this is Jesus' response. And if you notice, Jesus is not going back trying to clarify what it is he had said to them because he understands their hearts are hard. 
And no matter what he said, they are not going to accept it anyway. But he is speaking to a crowd there in the synagogue. And nine times out of ten, it is the poor people that's going to respond. Now Jesus say in verse 53 and 54, read it. He say, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh. Now see, that's referring to Jesus' incarnation. See, the word became flesh. So he say, unless you eat the flesh. So he is referring them to his incarnation. And that's what they must believe and that's what they must accept. Of the Son of Man and drink his blood. He says, you have no life in yourself. And he say, he who eats my flesh and drink my blood. Now the blood Jesus referring to is his death on the cross. That's where blood spilled out his body. So he's talking about his flesh, the incarnation, and he's talking about his birth. They had to believe that, the incarnation, and now he is saying his blood, which is an indication of his death on the cross. That's the implication of that verse. And he go on to say that to Jesus' death on the cross, they must accept, they must believe, and have, and has eternal life. And then he go on to say, and I will raise him up on the last day. And if you notice in those two verses, they are saying exactly the same thing. In verse 53, it's stated negatively. And it says you have no life. And then in verse 54, it's stated positively. It's saying that you would have life. Now, Remember, we are going to come to the table here at some point in time here today. And kind of remember, God gave us two ordinances in the church, and one was baptism. And remember that baptism testifies to our initiation into the body of Jesus Christ. It's very important into the body of Christ. Our baptism does that. And our baptism is a one-time thing. And that's what it's testifying to, that we have been placed into Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord's Supper testifies to our continuation in Jesus Christ. So that is a continual thing that we will do, which represents Jesus Christ's death on the cross. Okay. Now, eating and drinking illustrates the intimacy of the union between Christ and the believer, the spiritual union of Jesus Christ and the believer. Now, if those Jews had only partake of Jesus, let me show you some promises that they would have received. And look at verse 53. And this is the first promise. The first promise is life. In verse 53 it says this, if you don't eat and don't drink, you have no life in yourself. And that says present tense. Spiritual life. Spiritual life, the abundant life that he shall give unto us. He brings that unto us. 
If they would only do that, this is a promise that they will receive. That they will receive life. Now look at the second promise that they will receive in verse 54. Eternal life. He who eats my flesh and drink my blood has eternal life. You not only get abundant life, but he adds something to it, eternal life. Also notice in verse 54 here, another promise that they would get, if only they would partake, appropriate Jesus, take him in. He said, I will raise him up the last day, and that is his bodily resurrection. These are promises that they would have gotten. And by virtue of have done that, we also receive these promises as well. Here's another promise. Look at verse 55. Verse 55 says, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. And Jesus is only saying that it is real and genuine. The food that the man that came down from heaven, they all ate, they all died in the wilderness. But this food here that you partake, you will live forever. You know, even prior to that, I had mentioned in John 5 where he fed the 5,000. He is insinuating the same thing. The natural bread, it would not last. He said, my flesh is the real food. My blood is the real food. And they result in abundant life. It results in eternal life. It results into bodily resurrection. And look at the last promise in verse 56. It says, He who eats my flesh and drink my blood abides in me and I in him. Remember earlier, whatever you eat becomes part of you. Just like natural food. So when we appropriate Jesus and take him in, he becomes part of us. When we partake of communion, it may be the bread and the wine in our mouth, but it's none other than Jesus Christ in our heart. And that's why one reason that the Bible says over there in John, Satan come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to kill what's in our heart. And that is none other than Jesus. He wants to destroy what's in our heart. And that's none other than Jesus Christ. And he wants to kill what's in our heart. And that's none other than Jesus Christ. That's the implication when that verse is quoted as such. The enemy, Satan, come to kill, to steal, and to destroy the most precious thing that we have. And that is none other than Christ himself. Look at verse 57. And it says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. 
The life of God is passed down through Christ to us. As Christ got his life from Jesus, we get our life from Christ. So we are all tied into that eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, by way of God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit makes it real in our lives, what Christ has done for us. So to eat the bread from heaven, to drink his blood, is to be ushered in into union with Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the closing invitation in verse 58. And it states, this is the bread, what I have just described to you. It is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the Father ate, not like what they had in the wilderness manner, and died. He says it again, just as he began, he who eats this bread shall live forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we come just to say thank you. We thank you for what it is that you have done for us. And Lord, we come this morning because we hunger. And Lord, we are so often running to everything looking for satisfaction. But Lord, you have fulfilled our hunger and you have provided for our needs and none other than Jesus Christ. And Lord, you have provided this bread from heaven. And so Lord, we humbly our hearts. Help us, Lord, to drink deeply this morning, Lord, from that sweet cup, realizing and understanding, Lord, that you have already drinking the bitter cup. Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful for the goodness that you have displayed towards us and shown us. So right now, Lord, just move us towards you, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name. And all God people say, Amen.